Hello and welcome to Explicitly Us. Whether you're young, old, single or married, this podcast is for you. Light-hearted, family-friendly and full of laughs, it is guaranteed to put a smile on your face. So get on the treadmill or get another slice of cake, but just get ready because here they are. Live at the time of this recording, all the way from Table 19, your Pizzas Ready studio, here are your hosts, Andy and Trista. kind of made a promise in this podcast that we we're going to put a smile on people's faces. You ever have a week where you just don't feel like you can come through? Not with this music playing. <laughs> Sometimes. Today was a very good day. Today was an encouraging day. It's good to be in church. Nothing more encouraging than church. How was your Sunday school class? It went well. We made paper airplanes. How spiritual. It was. We wrote spiritual things on them. Oh, okay. (laughs) And then sent them across the room to each other. I see. So tell me the spiritual application that you told the kids. How'd this work? How'd this go down? Well, the lesson was on running the Christian race. Mm -hmm. Um, Hebrews 12 Run the let us run the race with patience that is set before us. I just butchered that. We know what you mean. You know what I mean. Anywho. Let us run the race with patience. The no, let us run with patience the race that is there set you before go. us. <laughs> there you go. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then we had some discussion about a specific person, mm-hmm. Daniel, who persevered. Even through difficult times, we talked about Paul persevering. And then we wrote things that we could, you know, apply to our own lives, specifically the children, you know, on their level. Do you think children go through hard times? Of course. You know, it's interesting that you taught on persevering because it's kind of a theme of today's podcast. Um struggles that we have Mm -hmm. and how we encourage ourselves so back to your kids you think kids go through hard times too they do i mean different levels depending on their situations and things going on in their lives some could be very extreme or some could be minor you know in our eyes but for them it's very real and you know they have to learn Ways to cope, ways to, you know, look to God for help, Mm -hmm. just like we do. And how important is the parent's role in that process, do you think? Well, very important because um, for a lot of children, the parent is the person spending the most time with them. So you have the most influence on their life. Yeah. You're closest to them in a relationship. Which brings up the topic of who is spending the most time with your child. If you have children out there, who is impacting your child? And that affects them and who they become as well. Yeah. So how much as a a mom, you homeschool your kids. um, How much of an impact do you think the public school system has on how your children will turn out? 
Well, if they're spending the majority of their day there under someone else's teaching and guidance, then it would be a huge influence and impact on, on their life. Yeah. It, and we're not anti-public school, but I think Christian parents who are trying to raise their kids in a certain path, in a certain way, with a certain belief system, need to go into it eyes wide open. Right? Well, and I would say there's a vast array of people teachers within the public school system True enough. and you don't necessarily get to pick mm-hmm. who's guiding and influencing your child for the year. Right. And it seems a lot of times I, I, in the past, I say a lot of times in the past, I've had a lot of friends go to public school and they had a perfectly fine experience, Right, but it's mainly because they went to a public school where the teachers right. were either Christians. And so they understood the morality, the, not the morality, but the, the the line between whether how to how to influence the child you know just because you're a math teacher doesn't mean you need to be um influencing your kid against the way your parents believe you know i was watching a video the other day uh, you know all these ridiculous videos circling media and i guess a teacher was dismissed from school on probation i think at this time they're just right now because she was ranting in her classroom about her political stance and basically calling these kids' parents idiots if they disagree with her. And that's the world we live in. That, you know, and kind of brings us towards our subject. And we went all the way from your Sunday school class. <laughs> <laughs> what great segues. <laughs> but this, these past couple weeks have been hard on America They've been hard on the world for a while, but, you know, they've been hard on America. They've been hard on Christians. We we follow the past two years what's been going on in the world, and we read about Christians in not just in the States, but in other parts of the world that are experiencing, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? I'm struggling. Persecution. Turmoil. Turmoil, persecution, you know, uh, not able to express their religious liberty in their country. Canada is the one I'm thinking of. There's several pastors in Canada who have been arrested because they have gone against the Canadians' um, guidelines. So that produces stress, that produces anxiety and even depression in our lives. And we have, we've battled that the last couple of weeks in our, in, even in our home and how we deal with it. All this bad news, it seems like you don't get good news. I mean, it's one thing for us to say, hey, the news is always bad. But this is like a new level of the news is always bad, you know? Um, Well, and I think for most of us our age, you know, we had like our childhood. I mean, obviously there's always stuff bad going on in the world. But up until I think mm 9-11, you know, really everything in my eyes, was pretty minor. 9-11 kind of, what 9-11 did is it injected the the world's problems into every person's life in America, including me, really teenagers and down. Everybody who had, who had memory of 9-11, it took the world's problems and injected it into us. Where before, yeah, you had wars. Yeah. It but the only very peop- personal. It became very personal. And the only people affected by the wars were the servicemen and women right. who fought and their families. And yeah, if you were an adult, 
in America and you followed your country. Yeah, but teenagers weren't affected by that. Children weren't affected by that. 9-11 said everything is going to be in everybody's faces. And since then, it's really been downhill. Well, and I feel like, you know, a certain amount of time after all of that kind of settled, we went back into this normalcy that for up until the last couple of years, I feel like everything was pretty copacetic, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe I'm being too broad in my life. Yeah. You know, I feel like everything was very even um, with what I was experiencing, my worldview. And then all of a sudden, you know, with COVID and then, you know, now Afghanistan, it seems like everything's coming heavy. Everything is very heavy. There's a lot of weight. Even when I think I think back to when President Obama was elected and that was very divisive time in our country, uh, had nothing to do with a race. Um, I should say conservatively, it had nothing to do with a race. Uh, on the other side of the aisle, it was very much about victory in race. And that's very sad. But um, even at, through his presidency, not much was done. There was a lot of things that he brought about that I don't agree with, um, with uh, medical and things like that. That's really what he did, though, is he really just messed up our, our medical system like, again, <laughs> you know, more, more than it already was, and he didn't fix a thing. Uh, he made it more difficult um, and started poking out our freedoms even more. Not to bash presidents, you know, that's not why we're here. Um, that's why I call him President Obama, because... He is to be respected as as the president. Uh, I remember, you know, we 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 call presidents Trump, Obama, Biden, and I remember a man, a preacher, one time saying, "No matter you if you agree or don't agree with the man, you still respect the office just enough to identify them by their title." And I think I thought that was good. I identified with that, so I tried my best to to address them by their title, even though I don't agree with really anything that they stood for. Um, we, we still address them by their title and res- respect them in that, in that sense. All that to say, um, not much was going on in the world. You know, the biggest thing that happened in my childhood that I can remember before nine 11 was Clinton, Clinton and, uh, Monica Lewinsky. That was the biggest thing. And I didn't, at, at the time, I didn't even completely understand everything that right. was going on. You know, I just knew that he was unfaithful to his wife. So um, it's, it's been a weird, and, and it's been coming down into our kids' lives, into our family's lives. So for you parents out there, we're going to offer you some encouragement. Um, maybe we're not doing everything right. but I would also say, and maybe you want to talk about this, right or wrong, we don't usually bring up world events and politics to our children. That's where I was going to, okay. yeah. Yeah, well, that was just kind of the progression okay. we're going in that there's an age-appropriate conversation that we have with our kids, you know. They don't need to be worried and concerned Mm-mm. over every little thing at this point in their lives. Right. They really should be enjoying their childhood. For sure. And that innocence. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be enough time as they get older Yeah. that they have to be more concerned about these things. Yeah, and, you know, kids during COVID there have been kids during COVID who have committed suicide. That's, that's extremely sad. Um, could we have done better as parents? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, you know, we definitely could. I can't say that our parents are to blame, but to let your kid be privy to every little thing, and we we're we're what we're teaching kids in schools is to actually protest. Yeah, that's what they're teaching all ages of kids to protest, and kids should not be involved in protest, not because they don't have a voice. Well, I'll be honest, my kids don't have a voice. They don't. I have a voice. I speak Your for them. Your voice is their voice. My voice is their voice. If they have an issue in school, I would not teach them to go and protest. I would say, come tell your father, and I'll take care of it. And if there's a protest to be had, the parents are going to do it. The children are to respect those in authority and obey them, whether they agree with them or not. Now, you hear a phrase like that, and some people out there, but don't you know that there's people out there that will take advantage of your kids sexually and emotionally and, and like think the worst that they're going to, you know, command a kid to do something inappropriate? Okay, I understand that. And that's why we teach our kids um, enough so that they know that when their life or their their health becomes an issue, then they obviously have to do the right thing. But if... And we protect them by not sending them places by themselves without no, us. No, yeah, yeah. We, we, we have a lot of guidelines in our family. We're not paranoid. We're just intelligent. I mean, that's just how we... Wise. Yeah, you wise. wise about it. Um, and we don't try to put them in positions where they have to make those decisions. Right. Um, but if we were to send them someplace, uh, an example where we live, um, there was a, an activity where the, a, a, a beekeeper was doing a week-long kind of summer camp. And normally, even in a situation like that, we'd want to be hanging out in the wings, you know, just even if we're sitting in our car while they're doing their activity, we'd just be available. Um, and we sent them on their own. Our two oldest. Our two oldest. We sent them on their own, um, trusting that they're going to make the right decisions while they're, you we know. We were together. But yeah. There's, there were other people there that we there's, knew. There's those guidelines. And so it, it comes back to... How do you deal with these discouragements and how do you how do you deal with all the trauma in this world in the home? You know, and we definitely have not mastered it, uh, it because really it affects the parent emotionally. And then you take that and now you're dealing with your kids and you're stressed out, you're hurt, you're bothered, you're mad because of something going on in the world. And now that's being put on your kids by the way sometimes we treat them so that's hard to master and and balance and um compartmentalize when you're in the home and what's what's going on you had a thought trista no i just the word balance i think that's a good word to use and i'm finding like there be maybe times that i feel like clayton should be privy to certain information Mm -hmm. that i would just share with him Mm-hmm. And not Callie and Oliver and AJ right. because of his age and he's becoming more mature and more responsible. So there may be certain appropriate things, information that he needs, right? you know, on his level that the others don't. And so I may have a conversation just with him. Exactly. And an illustration would be, we don't talk about all the world problems going on. However, when 9-11 comes around, um, we typically we'll have a time when we sit our kids down and we'll bring up some news broadcast from that day and maybe a tribute video that somebody has put together on YouTube. We'll bring something together that's educational, 
that shows the hurt that happened to America and that would inspire their patriotism and give them the same sense of unity that we all felt at that time. Um, again, this it's a teaching moment. We're putting a little bit of heaviness on them, but as an inspiration, we're trying to inspire them by the past instead of bring heaviness of depression upon them. Uh, so we pick and choose our times of education and don't let them be privy to everything. Oh, so taking that to the next step, you know, something that we've committed to in our house, because if, if you were to be honest, you might say out there that you've experienced some depression or anxiety um, in the past year and a half. And, you know, that doesn't come without us opening the door. It doesn't come without us watching the news more than we should. It doesn't come without us, you know, being glued to social media. And so what I'm saying is we need to have the information. We need to have enough information to have to make a independent decision on how we feel about a situation. But at, after that, um, why are we so glued to negative media and negative social media? Hold on a second. Okay, you don't have to hold on anymore. I had to pause it to deal with my kids. So we, we keep letting all this negativity come in. We have, we have the information that we need. We don't need the rest of it. And so what we've done in, in our home is we've, we don't watch news around the kids. We don't have it playing on the television. Um, our kids are aware that there's a virus. They're aware that it's dangerous. They're, it's, they're aware that uh, people have died. You know what they don't worry about? Them dying or us dying. That's what they don't worry about. Is it because we're, we are lying to them? No, because we're honest with them. Like, yes, people have died. Usually it's because of underlying issues you're actually a really healthy kid and you have nothing to worry about your mom and dad are pretty healthy we have nothing to worry about you need to pray for your grandparents you know this that you know we'll encourage them to think about that but not to dwell on it and you know grandma and grandpa they had it but now they're okay and we communicate with them but you know if we get word that somebody has it we don't start freaking out you know, and things like that. We we try to balance that in their life. Same goes to social media. You know, um, I'm, we'll share this personal thing um, that Trista decided on because she's she'd been getting discouraged lately um, by social media. Uh, and if and look, let's be honest, we are habitual creatures. And if you have a habit of opening your phone and immediately clicking on the social media buttons and then filtering through them and just you close one you open the next one you know if you know exactly what i'm talking about please listen <laughs> please listen you need to stop it's unhealthy it is it is in no way healthy you cannot handle it okay you're getting negativity all the time and so trista made the decision she said you know I, i'm i'm gonna be off of Facebook. Facebook was the one for her. You know, Instagram is pictures of family. It's not It's not news. It's just what's going on in people's lives. Um, but with, with Facebook, it's the one where people are on there going crazy, you know, and news and, and doctors and everybody's sharing videos and the, the numbers and all these things and 
you know, she said, I'm, I'm just going to turn that off. I, I, and she actually, she's an addict. Well, <laughs> and normally, yes, it, it is addictive, but mm-hmm. I, I've always been a scroller. I just, I don't need to post anything mm-hmm. on Facebook. I just like to scroll and see what's going on in everybody's lives. Not healthy. And it wasn't healthy. Yeah. You know, and to one extent, it's like, yeah, I want to be able to keep up with people. But it had become, I guess, just in light of everything that's going on in the world right now. Um, it was becoming very obsessive to me, like to know I was finding myself like digging, like going to this person's page and then digging, you know, the story that they were saying, like what was going on and like trailing from one thing and like not even commenting, finding myself like so attached to people. I didn't even know, like worried about their lives, which isn't a hundred percent bad, but I was in a place where it wasn't healthy for me. Well, it's, it's really not healthy for anyone. If, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing it to the point of putting them on my list and praying for them every day mm-hmm. and wanting to keep updates, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's kind of right. maybe the only good aspect of it. But when it's taking up space in your time and your brain and your emotions that just aren't yeah. healthy, that's not a good place to be. Exactly. Because sometimes we get a God complex where God is the only person, right? The the entity that can take on all the cares and trials of the world and not be stressed out by it there is nobody else that can just open up the floodgates and say give me all of your burdens give me all of your cares we're not made that way and if you take away i was talking to somebody today in church you know i would love to go back 20 years and just get rid of all this media and social media and all this technology because you know what i can trace back the I say I can trace back. I mean, I, I can't trace it back. Maybe we can think about it this way. We know a lot of people that struggle with anxiety. And all of them have given testimony that social media and the news have a lot to do with it. So you go back 20 years where you didn't have access. People were happier. You were saddened and hurt by your neighbor. Right? By your family. But those come in appropriate doses. And you might read the newspaper once a week yeah. for information. Or even watch the news. But those, those, those hurts and those sadness, sad times, they come in appropriate doses. But the normal of your life, the norm of your life is not to be worried about everybody all the time. That's not normal. And you're not to take that on. And so, again, go back to Trista. She made the decision to turn off Facebook, which is awesome. Um, I'm with her. I'm, I'm, you know, I check Facebook messages and, and that's about it. Um, but turning that off has already helped so much. Now with turning it off, here's what she had to do is she had to take the app and put it in a folder somewhere. Yeah. I took it off of my, you know, the first screen that I would. And why did you do on? that? Because it's habitual yeah. to see it and click on it. And with honestly, you can do it without even without using even your brain. Thinking. That's it right. Just, <laughs> it but just if you happens. can't find it, if you can't find it. So I don't see it then, out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm, yep. And I think that's the thing we're trying to get to is, you know, take the things that are discouraging you and, and file them away. 
put them in another folder. If you're struggling with any of those things, concentrate on, on and let's get spiritual for a second. You know, uh, you have obligations. You have, um, there's another word I like to use that it's not coming to your, my mind. Do you know the word I, w- I want to use? Roles. <laughs> know your role. <laughs> you have different roles in your life. I have the role of pastor, father, husband. Those are my roles. Maybe not in that order, but yes. Correct. <laughs> Husbands first. <laughs> and now I have the role of a Christian. You know, I, I have that role of being a child of God that I have to fulfill. Those are my roles. My role is not caregiver to the world. You know, and so you have to bring back. And let's be honest, when you're you're in that zone, you're not paying attention to anything else your other roles yeah oh yeah your other roles suffer yeah they definitely will suffer what's immediately important when me and trista get stressed out it affects our marriage when when i get stressed out what i'm talking about is when i get stressed out from outside forces that i I can't change you know things going on in the world um here in a little bit we're going to be addressing um kabul kabul i think is how you say it um uh, afghanistan what happened over there we are going to be talking about that just for a minute um because we can we can we're we're not going to turn a blind eye to these things we have 9 11 coming up where we will remember them and honor them and these these things are important in our lives to establish um to establish who we are as a patriot what we believe to remind us why we believe the way we believe and so those things are important um but we can't dwell we can't dwell we we can only do so much as americans so again if you struggle with depression anxiety or discouragement our recommendation to you as step one would be to commit to be off of whatever is the source of that discouragement in social media and or regular media if it's the news unplug your tv right get rid of cable if it's social media, do something um, and replace it. Get a book out. Set a book on your bed. Set a book beside your bed. Set a book where you would sit down and get on your phone or whatever you do. Set a book out. Set a Bible out. Would it be even better? Um, you know, I picked up another book. I'm now reading um, The Hiding Place, the story of Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom. Which the reason, just as a side note, the reason I'm reading this, Trista, is because of my interest in watches. They were watchmakers. They were watchmakers. I didn't know that. And so Corey Ten Boom's father was a watchmaker. And his father. And his and father. Like yeah. Deep in the family. And 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 Corey was as yep. well. She had her own desk. Family I had no, I had no idea. If you know who Corey Ten Boom is, um, that's just fascinating. So we'll maybe maybe I'll I'll. Uh, talk more about what i'm getting from the book yeah i'll give you a book review as i get into it but it's pretty exciting um so moving on there's we want to we want to do some light-hearted things and we're going to end on a somber note i'll just give you a heads up we will be ending today on a somber note and so first of all we want to remind you that we're going to be having some commemorative podcast for 9-11 I have a feeling it's going to turn into two commemorative podcasts, a before and an after since 9-11 is in the middle. Yeah. We may release early on, on 9-11. That's possible to release our, what is that date? That's Saturday. Is that what you're asking? 
Well, I want to know what our Monday release date is. So the 11th is Saturday. So the 13th is a Monday. We may be releasing on the 11th Saturday as a, as a commemorative podcast because of what we have going on. Now, what we're asking from you is to send in your story of where you are at uh, on 9-11 or what you what you do remember about it. Um, it's been exciting already. We have several sent in and those people, some of them are too young to remember, but some things they do remember. They don't remember everything, but they remember how it impacted their family. That's been really uh, interesting to read. Um, so where were you? How did it impact your life? What are some things that you remember? What are some good things that maybe came out of it? Uh, what are some things that just anything you want to share um, as long or as short as you can? I can read fast. So, I mean, if you got a whole page, uh, do what you want. And if I feel like cutting it up, I'll cut it up. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but if you just want to send in, here's where I was, you know, and that's it. That's fine. I was at this place and we'll have maybe some of those that we can just read pretty quickly. Do that for us. All right. We've already got several. Like I said, Trista, where are they going to send it to? Explicitly us at gmail.com. All right. That's where you're going to send it. And we hopefully we're going to, we're planning on having a special guest um, to help commemorate 9-11. Um, I, I don't ever, um, you know, announce a guest because you don't know what's going to happen in their life or in our life. But we have it set up to have a special guest. We're very excited about this guest, um, having them on and, uh, commemorating nine 11 with them. All right. That's about all I can say without, without revealing too much. Um, with that being said, I'm going to do our Paul Harvey. Trista, you have a word of the day. I do. All right. Do you want to do the word of the day yeah, first? It's a quick one. Okay, go ahead. All right. So the word for today is, now I'm going to forget how to pronounce it. I think it's, oh, man, I knew I would do that. Paraf. Okay. Hang on. <laughs> Pause. No pausing. This is live. Pause it. Did you have it pulled up? Paraf. Paraf. My bad. Paraf. She actually listened to it on Google or I something. I knew I would mess that up. I had it. And then we just got talking about so many things. Paraf. Can I can I guess? Do I get to guess? Sure. Paraf. Um I would buy a pair if I could afford them. Paraf. A pair of something. Paraf. Paraf. I would buy a pair if I could afford them. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. Okay, moving on. Paraf is a noun. It is a flourish after a signature, originally as a precaution against forgery. So in a sentence, it would be like this. I felt that the letter was authentic since the signature had the paraf he always used. Mm, so that's like that... The extra flourish. Flourish or like just some people like sign their name and like put a... There's like no letters. The T, well, or but the T has a cross, but they like cross through the entire name just yeah. to like do something crazy. Yeah, a paraf is like that extra little some something. Make it harder to forge. Okay. The paraf. Technically, I have a paraf. It's nothing crazy, but I have a paraf. Yeah. I kind of get a little eccentric with my T crossing mm. in charpeta. Charpeta. Let's talk about charpeta. <laughs> charpeta. Charpeta. We learned something. 
I've never known what my name meant. I didn't know it had a meaning. There I don't is, think it does. It doesn't, but it's kind of fun. It's just a funny... Charpeta is our last name, S-H. But in Spanish, Charpeta with a S-C-H. Char, no. Just a C-H. Just a C-H. Charpeta. Not a S-C-H? I don't think so. Charpeta. Okay. So that's a Spanish word. I don't know that it's a Spanish it's word. It's a slang. Or if it's a made up where we live Could word. Be. Could be. But it means to splat. Or a splat of like, let's say you splat Play-Doh or paint. Like you throw it and um, that's what it means. So you would use it as a verb. That's what she said. That's what she said. Yeah. Never heard it. It's pretty interesting though. I don't know. Oh, that was cool. All right. Well, let's bring in our guest, Mr. The rest of the story guy. His name escapes. Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey. My goodness. Let's bring in Paul Harvey and uh, enjoy this one. I, I tried to find uh, something patriotic. Um, so here's something. It's, it's interesting. It's a, it's a kind of a common story. Maybe you'll remember it. See if you guess it. Now, the rest of the story. Murphy was in the biggest trouble of his life. Possession, unlawful weapons, battery, assault with a deadly weapon, attempted murder. The charges against him were stacked so high that he could hardly see over them. It had all started with a shouting match over the telephone. Murphy got so angry at this fellow Dave Goffstein that he hung up and stormed over to Goffstein's house. The argument resumed in Goffstein's front yard, and when he retreated to the backyard, Murphy followed him there. The accounts of what happened next vary, but whatever took place, it left Dave Goffstein pretty well kicked and beaten up and shot at. It was the gunfire that got everybody's attention. When police arrested Murphy at his own home, they found an arsenal of mostly illegal weapons. And the whole thing went to trial. Now, I'm not trying to excuse old Murph, but before you ladies and gentlemen of the jury elect to hang him, you really ought to know the rest of the story. When Murphy first came home from the Army, he seemed to those who knew him pretty much as he'd always been, nice, easy-going fellow, but then the nervousness and the nausea and the nightmares started. Nightmares so terrible he was afraid to go to sleep. Dreadful dreams of the war. In his slumber, he would cry out the names of the ghosts of the men of his old company, and he would see them marching to their deaths all over again and again and again, and to an increasing extent, the echoes of those awful times intruded on his waking hours, first with vomiting spells in the morning, then headaches that sometimes lasted a week or more. It was as though the sleeping pills that drowned the bad dreams at night only flushed them out into the daylight, and soon flashbacks were freezing Murphy in his tracks, plunging him into a wide-eyed, motionless stupor. He would see the visions of a man's face in his gun sights, or a soldier's brains spilling out on the ground, and after a while, the slightest sound would cause Murphy to leap behind a sofa. Maybe now you're beginning to understand why Murphy was inclined to deep depressions and unpredictable rages and driving 80 miles down side roads and gambling his life savings away and and particularly to violence. He carried firearms wherever he went. Amid flashbacks and panic attacks, it was open season on wall clocks and light switches and mirrors, and then one day, one day, of course, he lit into Dave Gopstein. I think, I think that Murphy was only trying to frighten Dave when 
Murphy took aim in earnest. He never missed. He wouldn't have missed. Well, the jury deliberated for four hours and then agreed. And they let Murphy go. He was acquitted on all counts, not guilty. But less than a year later, he died in a plane crash at 46. Once upon a time in our America the Beautiful, there was a young soldier named Audie Murphy. He returned from the front the most decorated United States soldier in all of World War II, the celebrated, baby-faced, single-handed exterminator of 241 enemy troops. For his heroism, a grateful nation was eager to throw what was left of the world at his feet. But of course you know that Audie Murphy never really came home because now you know the rest of the story. Well, I wanted to do that one because of what's happening over in Afghanistan with the past 20 years being in war. And we had last week the letter from the um, commandant of the Marine Corps being read and what people are going through. Just a reminder to us not to forget what they went through and, and some of them are still dealing with some things and to be praying for them and what they went through. Um, this, what we'd like to do next is we, we, we would like to do our best to commemorate the men and women that recently had their lives taken in Afghanistan. And so the podcast is going to end with this tribute if you are driving, um, we recommend that you pull over. If you're shopping, we recommend that you stop for just a few minutes. And what we're going to do is simply read off the names of these men and women. And uh, you will want to just pause briefly for just a few minutes. And then after this is over, we will just end the podcast with this. No outro. Remember... We want to make the next couple podcasts very patriotic, very much in love for our country and the sacrifices that men and women have made and uh, all those that uh, died in 9-11. We want to commemorate them. So if, if you do remember, send that in, what you remember about it. And I'll do my best to pronounce these names. There may be some that will be a little bit more difficult. So you know our intention. Marine Corps Lance Corporal David L. Espinoza, age 20, of Rio Bravo, Texas. Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole L. Gee, age 23, of Sacramento, California.
Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Darren T. Hoover, age 31, of Salt Lake City, Utah. Army Staff Sergeant Ryan K. Naus, age 23, of Coryton, Tennessee. Marine Corps Corporal Hunter Lopez, age 22, of Indio, California. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley J. McCollum, age 20, of Jackson, Wyoming. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Dylan R. Marala, age 20, of Rancho Bucamanga, California. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Kareem M. Nikawi, age 20, of Norco, California. Marine Corps Sergeant Johanny Rosario Picardo, age 25, of Lawrence, Massachusetts. Marine Corps Corporal Humberto A. Sanchez, age 22, of Logansport, Indiana. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared M. Schmitz, age 20, of St. Charles, Missouri. Navy Hospitalman Maxton W. Soviet, age 22, of Berlin Heights, Ohio. Marine Corps Corporal Dagan W. Page, age 23, of Omaha, Nebraska. Thank you for your sacrifice.